let's stand on our feet. Let's just welcome the man of God as he comes. Pastor James Hensley from Australia. Hey. Good morning, Moval. How y'all doing? Man, it is good to be in the house with you this morning. Grab your seats. Tiara. Legitness. I've been here twice. I cried twice. The presence of God in that Here Again song was so real. I was like, I grabbed tissues and I was all stuffed up. It was so good. Man, I love your church. You guys, are just, you got it going on here. You need to know that. I've preached in a number of churches around the world. And when I come here, there's something life-giving about this church. And I'll be honest with you, I think it comes back to your pastors. Pastor Troy and Pastor Jennifer are two of the most real, genuine man and woman of God. Would you put it up for Pastor Troy and Jennifer? And not only that, but they're, they're like really pretty. Like this is the first church I've ever been to where the woman was really, really pretty, but the man was equally as pretty. And, and I've seen Pastor Troy with no beard, but he puts that beard on and he gets all rugged and manly. And like, I'm like, Okay, I'm working with my, my peach fuzz over here. And but one day, I aspire. I love this church. You know what I love about your church is you don't take yourself seriously. I, I, in our church, we take Jesus very seriously. Because he's Jesus, man. Like, come on, it's Jesus. But we don't take ourselves very seriously. And sometimes we get hung up on ourselves and, uh, and so, but I love that you guys can have a laugh, but we can go into the, into the secret place and touch heaven. Come on. Well, some of you are listening to me talk and you're like, what's wrong with this dude? Where is he from? What's wrong with his accent? I'll give you a little bit of background. I was born in San Jose, California. So I am a Cali boy. Uh, and then in 1995, I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, which was random. And, uh, but I uh, did all my high school years in North Carolina and then I got saved in the year 2000 and I knew that if I didn't do something serious about my faith, I would backslide and I would drift. And so my grandfather suggested that I go to Townsville, Australia, all the way to the other side of the world to do a Christian mission with youth with a mission. And it was supposed to be six months, but six months turned into two years and then at two years, I met the most beautiful Aussie girl I could find. For real. I'll show you a photo of her. This is my wife, my family. Uh, this is Paula. And uh, she is like, oh, yeah. She is, oh, man. I, I, I'm now, I've now been away from my family for 18 days. This whole trip is 22 total days. She's a, such an incredible woman. These are, these are my kids. This is my boy Judah. And uh, he's 11. This is Joel. Uh, Judah is, is like the responsible one in our family. He's the kid who keeps all the ducks in a row and organizes the family. This is Joel. Um, he, he's, he's a whole lot of fun. Not always the right kind of fun, but fun. For real. This is my daughter, Jemiah, and uh, my daughter, Yana. And they're my little princesses. 
So I got four cute little Aussie girls, or kids, sorry, that have the cute little Aussie accents. They don't sound like me. They sound like their mother. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, it is good to be here. I'm, I'm here. Uh, this is my second time in the States in the last 11 years. And so I get to see my family. I saw my dad for the first time in six years. And I got to see my mother, my sisters. It was, it's been the best trip. But I'm capping it off by hanging out with you all this morning. And uh, so it is good. Now, I understand uh, you guys just had, like, an amazing women's conference. Is that right? I'll be honest with you. Like, Instagram, I was like, oh, kind of wish I was a girl. Because I want to be there at that thing. And I just know that you've got a momentum or a movement. Movement. If I would, you need to be there for real. What, what's going on in this church is real. And we need to see more of God released. Amen. So over the last couple of weeks, I understand that we've been speaking about better together or our together series that we go better together. And I want to share a message. When Pastor Troy told me that I, I knew that I needed to pre preach this message that I've got for you today. But the problem is I haven't preached it for a while. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go with my notes a little bit. But, but today I want to talk to you uh, about being the power of being planted. The power of being planted. Planted is kind of a weird thing to say. But there is great power when we can learn how to put down roots. When we can let our roots grow deep and let us get stuck into Wherever we are, the fruit of our lives is contingent upon where we put our roots. You can't have fruit without knowing where you're putting down your roots. If I plant my roots down deep in my job, I will most likely bear good fruits in my job. But too many of us have a short-termers mindset. I'm just doing this thing over here to get to that thing over there. And when we operate like that, I'm telling you, your boss can tell. My, my father-in-law is one of the most beige, vanilla, non-exciting white guys you've ever met. And I love him dearly. Uh, he uh, is a millionaire. He's retired. Uh, he, he's, he told me that the dividends on his, on his investments are making more money than the retirement than the withdrawals that he's taking to live. I was like, whoa. One thing you have to know about my father-in-law is he worked the same job for 48 years and never made more than $60,000 a year. But he worked the same job for 48 years in the same office and he stayed faithful, allowing his roots to be put down. He lived in the same house in the same suburb, and didn't change. I call him boring and vanilla because it's such a contrast to my life. But the man is now living in an extreme season of fruitfulness because he allowed his roots to go deep. If I plant my roots down deep in relationships and I don't pull them up, I will bear fruit in my relationships, if I plant my roots deep in a church and I don't pull them up, I will bear much fruit. The problem is we live like pot plants. Not, not, not that kind of pot plants. Um, we, live, we live like, like plants that are in a, in a pot. 
and we don't allow our roots to go down, we like to be portable. Because every now and again, I want to be over here, and then I want to go over there. And, and we live our lives in a perpetual state of being shifted, but we never allow ourselves to put down roots. As a result, we never bear a whole lot of fruit. Sure, you can pull a plant up out of the ground and replant it in another area. You can. But what happens is unbelievable. When you do that, the roots go into shock. And you put it in a new piece of dirt, even if that piece of dirt has more nutrients in the soil. But the roots are in such shock that the tree or the plant often loses all of its leaves and it takes forever before it will begin to bear fruit. Putting down roots is not easy. We struggle with the idea or the concept of being planted. We have a commitment phobia. We don't want to be tied down. And as a result, we struggle to commit to our job. We struggle to commit in relationships. We struggle to commit to our own marriages. We struggle to commit to a church. We struggle with commitment. I know this too well. Because in my life, I'm 39 years old and I've moved house over 40 times. I've lived in two countries and six states. From kindergarten to 12th grade, I went to 13 schools in 13 years. Our family has been to over 20 different churches in our lives. I've been a Nazarene. I've been a Presbyterian. I was a part of the covenant movement. I was an AOG guy. I was a Southern Baptist guy. And then when none of that worked out, we did house churches because that's what you do when you're rejected from all the other. <clears throat> Sorry, too much real talk. Have you ever heard the phrase, the grass is greener on the other side? That was my family's motto. We lived in a continual state of searching for greener grass. If, if we just were over there, we would be happy. There was always a better job. Oh, well, we need to move from here to there. I moved from California to Alabama, from Alabama to Montana. Montana to California, California to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, back to California, to North Carolina, to Australia, and I've lived all over Australia as well. There's always a better opportunity. There's always a better church. There, there, the, the, the church down the road has better worship. Not in this town. There's better, there, 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 there's better preaching there. There's less hypocrites at that place over there. Not until you get there. There's always a better place to live. In our family, my dad decided that there was a better woman. And now, at 71 years old, he's thinking about that again. I'm like, you're 71. What better woman? I mean, be grateful for the one you got. <laughs> the grass is greener is perhaps one of the biggest lies that we are sold. And I want to have some fun this morning. I want to share with you seven reasons the grass is greener on the other side. Number one, 
The grass is greener on the other side because you're not there. Because you're not there. The key factor to the state of your turf, the key factor to the state of your marriage is you. It's not your circumstances and it's not them. It's you. You have a responsibility to keep your grass green. It's up to you to maintain it. Often if the grass is greener on the other side, it's because you've neglected your responsibility to maintain your own grass. Number two, the grass is greener on the other side because things always look better from a distance. The grass is greener because you can't see it as clearly as you can see your own grass. You can't see all the blemishes and the imperfections. Other marriages look better than your marriage. But you're not in that. Other jobs might look more appealing or better than your job. Other churches might look better. Oh man, if only we were at Bethel. Oh man, if only we were at Hillsong. I'm telling you, I've been in both of them. What you got going here is real. This is awesome. But we often look from a distance and things look so good from a distance until you get right up and see the blemishes. The grass is only greener because you're not close enough to see how it really is. Number three, the grass is greener on the other side because they watered and weeded their grass while you sat on your backside. Your desert can become an oasis if you will diligently tend it. You have to be willing to put the work in, though. You can have a fantastic marriage. I've got a phenomenal marriage. In fact, that is probably the greatest thing I've got going in my life right now is my marriage. But I'm telling you, I have worked so hard to have a great marriage. Anybody who has a great marriage will tell you it just requires large amounts of work. You can have a fantastic job if you're willing to put the work in. Uh, One of my friends, my best friend, Karen, I've got two best friends. You you guys know Lucas Connell? He's my other best friend. The three of us are like like three BFFs. We go together. We're like a posse. We roll. Anyway, my best friend, Karen, has the greenest grass I've ever seen literally in his yard. It glows in the dark. You turn off the porch light and it's still glowing. It's the greenest grass ever. It was so brown when he first moved into this house. And now it glows in the dark and it's because of how much work he has put into it. Allowing the roots to get healthy so that it would bear green fruit. The only way that your grass will ever be green is if you water and weed it and take care of it. Number four, the grass is greener on the other side because we view life selectively. We only see the highlight reel. I've got this love-hate relationship with Instagram. Because I feel like I'm doing good until I look at Pastor Troy's Instagram. And I feel like I'm, I'm losing weight and, and my beard's looking okay. And, and, and Pastor Troy just doesn't have any patches in his beard. i got a big patch. Like, I'm like... Why, I mean, I'm 39, I should be growing hair here. But I look at Pastor Troy and I'm feeling, Lord, how does he water and weed his beard? 
We look at people with better lives than us. We look at their highlight reel on Instagram and we see all the things that they've got going on, but they're not showing you everyday life. We view selectively. It's true that you can probably find some places that are better in your life than where you're at right now, but I'm telling you there are so many places that are worse than where you're at right now. If you want to know, just go on a trip with Pastor to, to Myanmar. You, you'll, you, you'll get real grateful for your SoCal life. Number five, the grass is greener on the other side because we've been conditioned to think that way. We are the most advertised generation in history. We are continually being marketed. And the sole objective of advertisers is to make you believe that you desperately need something you've only just heard about. That's the whole goal. Six months after you've spent $1,000 on the iPhone 8, they released the iPhone 8S. And then the iPhone 8S Plus. And then the X. And now the 11, which looks like the 10. It is the 10. We are pre-programmed to constantly look for the upgrade. It's no wonder that we bring it into other areas of our lives. It's not just my phone. I need to upgrade my job. I need to upgrade my church. I need to upgrade my marriage. I need a new wife. Because this one, she's the outdated old model. Number six, the grass is greener on the other side because it's synthetic grass. It's AstroTurf. California people know that better than anyone. The burger never ends up in your hands the same way it looked on the menu. People on the internet don't really look like that in real life. The grass is greener because you're not looking at grass. You're looking at artificial. You're looking at fake. And many people leave the reality of where they are for the lie of what... Oh, that, that, that's not what it advertised. Number seven, the grass is greener on the other side because they allow themselves to be covered in fertilizer every now and again. You might find that the greenest grass is the grass that gets covered in fertilizer. The key ingredient to my friend Kieran's glow-in-the-dark green grass is he liberally applies chicken poop. The stinkest, nastiest, like I don't even want to go for dinner because it wafts in through the window, but his grass grows really green. Sometimes when the stink comes our way, we feel like we've been dumped on. We don't dig deep and put our roots down. We uproot and run. It's amazing in church life. We love that verse like, this is my brother. And iron sharpens iron. And, and, and have you seen that process? The iron sharpens iron is not romantic. In fact, I don't even like you when you're sharpening me. You're a jerk. By the way, the people that you like don't often sharpen you the most. 
It's the people that you don't like that sharpen you the most. Because you're going, why, why am I feeling all this way inside? Oh, I got things going on that I need to deal with. This was me, fruitless. Because I had no roots, I wasn't bearing any fruits in my life. In my mid-20s, I became confronted with the fact that I'm not bearing much fruit in my life. Sure, I was doing some fun stuff, but there was nothing that was lasting or purposeful. I couldn't flourish because I never put down roots. My parents were the same. And of course, it happens in my life. I wasn't the greatest at sports because I never stuck with a sport for any length of time. I've played basketball, baseball, ice hockey, flag. I played all these different sports, never stuck with anything and got good at it. My grades were lousy because I went to 13 different schools and I was always in a new system. I never had any meaningful friends, let alone a girlfriend, because I was always in a new uprooted environment. And I was never planted into a church. So there was no fruit to my spirituality. In 2000, I got saved in a powerful way. And I knew that I wanted to live for God, but if I could be honest with you, I found it really hard to conceive the idea of getting planted into a church. I had been hurt by church. Uh, not all of the churches that we had left over the years were our fault, because church life can be painful sometimes. But I found myself being really shy towards getting plugged into a church, and then a couple years later, you know, I was one of those kinds of people that would say, you know, you can love Jesus without going to church. Have you ever heard people talk like that before? When you actually read your Bibles and don't just have your own philosophies, when you actually get into the Word of God, you realize that that's quite a dumb thing to say. Quite a dumb thing to say. Paul tells us in Ephesians, he says, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church when he died and gave himself up for it. Paul is drawing a correlation between how I'm supposed to love my, my wife and how Jesus loved the church. We have to understand that Jesus loves the church so much. So much. And sometimes we get out of line and we start to back chat. Or we like to talk smack about the church. I've been guilty of that in my life. We don't realize that we're talking smack about Jesus' bride. The church is the bride of Christ, which is outlined in Scripture. If someone ever came up to me and said, James, you're awesome. You preach great. You got a nice jacket and some sweet Jordans. But your wife, Paula, I don't like her. She's a bit of a cow. If someone ever said that to me after I punched you in the mouth, we would not be friends. Because me and Paula, we go together. But that's what we do with Jesus. I love you. You're, there's no one like you but your church. We're talking smack about Father's bride. 
Scripture also tells us that Jesus is the head of the church and we are the church, the body of Christ. You imagine that girl, she's super fine. And you go up to her and, and you say, baby, you've got the most beautiful face I've ever seen. Your eyes, your lips, your jawline, your complexion. Your hair. I've never seen anything like that. But your body? You, you need to lose 30. She's going to drop you in the mouth with all of her might. Are you kidding me? There's no chance. That's what we do. Jesus, the head, your wonderful Lord. But your body? Some people say, well, well wait, James. You know, this, this, you know, we are the church. Not like organized religion. I say, of course, that's true. Jesus didn't come to die for bricks and mortar. Jesus died for people. But when you look at the life of Jesus, he was in church all the time. You remember the story where, where Jesus' mom and dad lost him for three days? Like, how do you lose God? I don't know. Imagine being down the road for three days going, oh, yeah, God was back there. Where is God? You know where he was? In church. He wasn't at the casino or at the beach. He was in church. If Jesus needed to go to church, how much more do you and I? Well, some people say, well, we just need to get back to the Acts chapter 2 church. You know, back when it was all simple and, and less all of that. Because, you know, it's like that's when God was really moving. When you read Acts chapter 2, the 120 were in the upper room. They received the Pentecostal outpouring. Keep reading the rest of Acts. Don't just get hung up right there in Acts chapter one to, or Acts chapter two. Keep reading the rest of chapter two. It says that they were in church daily, daily in church. We're asking you to be here for ninety minutes once a week. Some of y'all have a real hard time with that. So after twelve months, where are we? At? I got eleven minutes. I'm good. All right, we're cruising. When you preach a message you haven't preached for a while, you're trying to figure out, do I have enough time to get all that out? I talk a lot. Pastor Jai, she gets it from you. <laughs> After 12 months of meandering in my Christian faith, I knew that I wasn't very planted, and God brought me into contact with a youth pastor at a local church in Australia. His name was Tim O'Connor, and Tim kept hassling me, James, you got to come to church. I'm like, man, I do Jesus, but I don't do church. And he goes, you got to come. Our church is different. I was like, so one day I decided I gave in. And I really liked it, like a lot. And he asked me to come the next week. And I came the next week, and I came the next week, and I came the next And lo and behold, I've now been going for, for eight months and he would swing by my house and pick me up because I didn't have a car. And he would take me to his church for eight months. 
His wife was in the car, Belinda. And, and about eight months in, I said to him, I said, you know, it's so cool that you guys pick me up every Sunday and take me to your church. Thank you so much. And his wife turns around and looks at me with demon eyes. And she says, how can you say that to us? Your church. It's your church too, James. I was like, man, I got rebuked for saying thank you. No, I didn't get rebuked for saying thank you. I got rebuked because I still could not fathom the idea that this was becoming my church. Because I can't put down roots. Because God might have something greener and better for me over there. So all this time, I've been going there for eight months and it was their church. It wasn't my church. You know, this was a real turning point in my life. Because things began to shift when I started to see myself as planted in this church. There's a great verse. The psalmist in Psalm 92, 13 says, Those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord flourish. When you allow your roots to get planted into the house of God, it's amazing how you begin to flourish. As I allowed myself to get planted into this church, I started making meaningful friendships. Something that I had never had before. I started to, my, my faith started to take a whole new meaning. I wasn't just the drifter. But I actually started to get some purpose. Everything began to shift in my life. The fact that I am now standing up here talking about being planted in, in church is such a foreign idea compared to where I come from. But God had to help me plant my roots. Flourishing Christians are people who have chosen to get planted into the house of God. I'm, it's inevitable I meet Christians everywhere. and The ones that are really flourishing are the ones that are planted in a local house. Because we're better together. We were created for relationship. You know that whole, well, I'm an introvert, I don't do people. That, that's actually not in your Bible. I challenge you to find it in your Bible. When Pastor Troy stands up here and says, we're a community of people that belong together, we go together. Man, that's the heartbeat of heaven. Because I was created for relationship with my father, but I was created for relationship with you. I know some people would say, you know, oh, I would go to church if there wasn't people there. <laughs> I've even heard some people say, well, the worst part about church is people. Because I don't people. Wow. You, 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 you're, you're a Christian that doesn't read your Bible. It shows you how ignorant that thinking is. Jesus tells us in Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Which a man took and sowed into his field. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it's grown, 
It's greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. If we take our little seed and we sow it and we allow ourselves to get some roots, it's amazing what flourishing fruits can come out of our lives when we're planted together. But in closing, I want to share with you just four thoughts out of this passage. Number one, it says it's like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. Number one, we got to be planted in God's field together. If you are here, I love what Pastor said. This is, in our church, we say, if you have been to Church Unlimited, that's the name of my church. If you've been to Church Unlimited more than three times, you're not new anymore. We have this new people's mindset. I'm new. I don't really belong. I'm still checking it out. Still sussing it out. Still spectating from the outside looking in. I tell people, if you've been more than three times, you're not new anymore. You're just a regular. Because most of the people here haven't been here all that much longer than you. You have to be sown to be grown. You have to sow your seed into the field. God has a field that he wants to plant you in. There are three types of people here today. There are church hoppers. I know a lot about being a church hopper. There are church planted. And then there are what I call church shoppers. Our goal is to be church planted. That's our goal. My end game is not to be a hopper that I just like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and I listen to all the different types of... You can do all that. But to have a house that you're planted into and you're willing to bend the knee of your heart and say, you know what? I honor Pastor Troy and Pastor Jennifer as my pastors. And I will even humble myself enough to allow them to speak into my life when necessary. Some people are clapping. Some people are cringing. Do what? You said, said what? I like the message and I like the worship, but sub, submit my... Submit, submit my... Scripture clearly tells us that we are to submit ourselves to those that are in authority over us. I began to flourish when I began to submit my life at my church. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. My pastor did me wrong a couple of times. He did. He did me right way more than he did me wrong. But we're human. And I want you to have grace for my humanity, but I don't like to give grace for your humanity. It's amazing how we ask Pastor Jennifer and Pastor Troy to be perfect, knowing full well that we are not. Well, to be honest with you, we submit one to another. And, and in this church, if this is my house, I'm submitting here. I'm submitting knowing that they're going to do me. I'm going to tell you right now, I give you a 100% promise guarantee. Pastor Troy and Pastor Jennifer are going to fail you. 
They will. Not, not on purpose. Never out of a malicious spirit. But our humanity is so real. But you know what? That iron sharpens me. And when I get planted in the field, I begin to flourish. I want to challenge you. If you're here today and Generations Church, Moreno Valley, is not your home church, I want to challenge you to make it your home church. Plant in here. I know your pastors. I love the way they talk. You have to understand that the way that they talk on stage is the same that they talk to me in the green room. They're not two-faced. They don't have something going on up here with something private going. Their marriage is as real as it is. And it's beautiful. Plant yourself here. This is a good house to be. This is good soil to get planted into. With that said, purpose yourself to be here every week. Nobody goes to the gym once a month. Nobody does. You either go to the gym three or four times a week or you don't go. But you pay for it, but you don't go. Oh, yeah, I'm like a once a monther. Nobody goes to the gym once a month because you know that going to the gym once a month doesn't change anything. You're still going to be fat. You're still going to be weak. You're still going to be out of shape if you go once. You got to get into a regular rhythm. So here's my thing. Come to church. And come to church on time. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something about this church. There's only two services here. Some people think there's 10 services here. Some people think there's the 930, the 935, the 940, the 945, the 1130, the 1135, the 1140. No, there's only two services here. Come and be in church. Purpose yourself to get connected. I'm quite happy to get to know you, but letting you get to know me is actually quite scary. I feel quite vulnerable. But you know, we were made to know and be known. I began to flourish as I began to make meaningful relationships. You know, my meaningful relationship with Lucas Connell connected me to a meaningful relationship with your pastor. I got friends in Moreno Valley. Pastor Jai, or Jay, sorry, I get that wrong. Pastor Jay, you need to know, I was a part of the interviewing process and I did ask him some curly questions because I love you. And I wanted to make sure you weren't getting a talker. I, I was, I don't actually know why you asked me to be involved with that interview, but I was there. And I talked more than I ought to have because that's what I do. But you got a great couple that have come into this house and they've, they've adopted the culture and the DNA and the spirit. My favorite part of worship was watching Hadassah. I, I was trying to focus on Jesus, but the girl is just too cute. She's five with her hands lifted, eyes closed, catching the spirit of this house because she's getting her roots planted into this house. time 
hear my heart. Because planting in is scary. Well, what if there's rocks in this soil? Uh, there are. It's, it can be rocky sometimes. Plant in with your marriage. There are people here and you've been using the D word. You throw it around, divorce. Because that's a thing, you know. I can do that now. You know, like 50 years ago, it was frowned upon, but now it's common. I can just check out if I want to. You're too much work. The best relationships are relationships that handle conflict and dig deeper. I pray that whatever storm comes against my marriage, our roots are so deep with one another that nothing can pull us out. All my leaves might be blown off. But we got our roots deep. Because I know when my roots are deep, I will flourish. Plant yourself in the house of the Lord. There's two things I want to do as we get ready to conclude. The second thing I want to do is I want to pray for people that have, have had situations in your life that have caused you to not want to plant your roots down. There are people here, you, you've, you're still at university and you've changed your major three or four times because you're afraid to actually put roots down into any one thing. I want to pray for that. But the first thing I want to do this morning is I want to pray for people who have not yet put your roots down with Jesus. I, I was 20 years old. I was clubbing. I was living like a typical 20-year-old loser chasing all the wrong things extremely insecure very lonely I went to a nightclub and, and, and I went and did a whole bunch of stuff that I knew I shouldn't have been doing but I was doing these things anyway and the next morning I woke up and I said to my friend I said buddy I, I don't want to do that stuff anymore and he goes it's weird that you say that I don't either we should go to church I'm like no. No, we shouldn't. Because I've been to church. You know, if you're having sex, you're going to hell. If you're drinking, you're going to hell. Oh, you're smoking? You're drinking? You're, you're carrying on? You're, going, you're clubbing? Oh, you're go we, we know the rhetoric. Or at least I thought I knew the rhetoric. Because I had been in such a diversity of types of churches that all of my experiences had led me to believe that it wasn't safe. But for one reason or another... I decided to go. And when I went, I went to a church like this one. And the preacher was telling us that if we surrender our lives to Jesus and we allow ourselves to put down roots with him, he changes our lives from the inside out. I am living proof that that is real. I am living proof. I've tasted religion. I have been, I have been, my life has been all over the place. And the one thing that has grounded me is putting my roots in Jesus. I just wonder if there are people here this morning that would be honest enough to say, you know what? My roots aren't grounded in Jesus. I'm not asking if you're religious or even if you're spiritual. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm asking where are you at with Jesus? Has he do you trust him enough to put your roots down with him? And if you don't, or you haven't, 
I'd like to provide you that opportunity this morning. The Bible tells us that if we pray and we surrender and invite Him into our lives, He will. And He starts to change us. We start to flourish. The first place that I started to flourish was in here. Way before I started to bear fruit out there, I started to flourish in here. Some of you have sick hearts this morning. Your depression, your darkness, your hopelessness, it's overwhelming you. You need to stop and put your roots down in your Father in heaven. Maybe we could bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. No one looking around. Get honest with yourself. Stop lying. Stop buying the hype. Start buying the artificial turf. Get honest. What's the state of your grass? Is your grass really healthy? Is it green? Are your roots planted in Jesus? If they're not, I would like to pray with you right here and right now. I'd love to help you get reconnected. If that's you and you want to be included in this prayer, would you just give me a little wave? I'll see your hand and then you can put it back down again. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I see your hand here. I see your hand here. I see your hand. Man, whoa, hands all over this place. There's got to be 15 hands going up saying, James, I need to put my roots down with Jesus. Maybe your roots used to be down with Jesus, but you've uprooted. It's time to put them back down again. Anybody else who needs to be included in this prayer? One last time. I see your hands. I see your, come on, people all over, come on. Would you help me? Would we stand to our feet? I don't know how you do things here at Generations Church, but at Church Unlimited, we do what I call prayer karaoke. Prayer karaoke is where I lead you in a prayer and I say a little bit, but then you repeat that prayer from a sincere place of your heart. And I believe that as you pray this out, as you speak this out, you're going to allow your roots to go deep. Amen. Would you pray with me? Come on, church. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. You proved it when you went to the cross and died in my place. Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me of all my sin. Purify me and help me live for you. Amen. Lord, for those 20 people that prayed that prayer this morning, God, I thank you right now that you see them and you know them right where they're at. You know every hair that's on their head. You know every thought that they're thinking right now. And you're not ashamed of them. Lord, I pray right now that you would show them how to take their next steps in putting their roots deep into you and into this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you put your hand up, one of our team are going to come to you at the end of the service or even right now and they're going to give you a little card that you can exchange that card for a Bible and I call it the New Christian Starter Pack because you got to get started. You know, when you're getting ready for school, you got to get all your school supplies. It's like, I'm, I'm going to live a flourishing life with Jesus. I need, to, I need to get one of these, a fresh start. We really want to get one of these into your hand because we want to see you not just pray a prayer today, put roots down and live for God. Amen. Come on, church. Would we put your hand? Let's, let's all lift our hands. I'm, I'm over time. But I want to pray over you right now. Come on, lift our hands right across this place. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of disappointment. 
the spirit of discouragement. Lord, I thank you right now that you've not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. Some of us are so scared to put down our roots. Well, the last time I put down my roots in a relationship, they left me. The last time I put down my roots in a job, I got fired. The last time I put down my roots in business, I went bankrupt. The last time we believed to put down roots and start a family, we miscarried. The last time I put down roots to join a church, I got really, really hurt. I got burned. But Lord, I thank you right now that you are the redeemer. You are the restorer. You are the healer. You right now, I just speak life into our roots right now in this church. And I thank you, Lord, that as a church, we are putting down our roots into Generations Church. That we're going to see flourishing marriages, flourishing families, flourishing finances, flourishing businesses, flourishing kingdom fruitfulness like we've never seen before. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.